You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Friday edition. I hope everyone is rolling into a fantastic weekend. It's going to be a busy weekend around the NFL. I think we're getting close to seeing what that official salary cap number will be for teams, and teams are starting to really prepare for that. We're seeing players get cut left and right. We're seeing a lot of voidable years being added to contracts, some funny money, so teams can try to get under the salary cap. The Philadelphia Eagles, a big one there, and and those voidable years, Matt, is one of the reasons the the Philadelphia Eagles are in the cap situation they're in, so maybe trying to, to kick the can down the road a little bit more. Um, Alex Smith released. And Matt, I think we should get into your tight ends list when it comes to the NFL draft. Matt Williamson's top tight ends for the 2021 NFL draft and NFC East draft ditties. That's a lot. I think we can do it, Matt. Let's roll through these. Yeah, I guess we got to dig in quick here. I mean, you kind of mentioned it. This week is all about housekeeping, getting yourself prepared to do things in free agency, get yourself cap compliant, move some money around. Um, I think we'll see more and more cuts. Uh, You mentioned the Eagles making a move with Slay and Kelsey. Uh, The other PA team, Big Ben, moved his money around. So two of the more cash-strapped teams getting in the point where they can compete, you know? And Big Ben's was just a pure salary, or yeah, like a, a... A pay cut, right? He, he didn't get any incentives added on to where he could make it back or anything from what I saw. Well, the key with that one is the Steelers have a ton of cap space a year from now, which is really rare for them. So he won't be back after this year, but he's going to be getting dead money for the next two seasons past uh, this one. Okay, so I similar to the Drew Brees deal? I think he may. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to Brees, okay. except he's going to play his last year. Gotcha. How about this one real quick? Uh, Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury said the coaching staff is confident Chase Edmonds can serve as the team's primary running back. I saw that, too. And I kind of said, that's nice, but I don't believe you. Yeah, they're going to draft somebody, right? They'll, right. They'll, they'll change that room at least for some big-time competition. And you know how it goes with running backs in the NFL. You know, some guy they draft in the fifth round, you don't think much of it. And then week three, there's your starter. Yeah, it made me think Drake probably won't be back. Too. Right. I think that's the big takeaway there is they're, they're yeah. planning on Drake not being there next year um how about this one i want to talk about this because it's somewhat interesting and i think we're both pretty much on board with this this is from albert breer this morning the ravens have submitted a proposal for a booth umpire an additional eighth official quote-unquote sky judge they talked about this for a little while uh it's, they're presenting it to the competition committee uh the it's backed by the coaches subcommittee basically an eighth official on the crew The proposed booth umpire can offer input from the booth throughout the game with access to all broadcast angles via the NFL's Hawkeye technology. Aided by replay and close-up shots, he can provide pertinent info to the on-field officials to help correct any and uh, and clear up any and obvious errors of consequence, uh, provided he can do so without disrupting the normal timing of game administration, which is interesting. So he's got to be quick. He's watching the camera, and he's got to buzz somebody very quickly and let them know what's going on. Or maybe if they're having a little powwow, he can chime in on those. Um, so competitive equity, integrity of the game, pace of play, player health and safety are the advantages that they are arguing for this new Sky Judge. Matt Williamson, your thoughts? I love it. And I've been proposing something like that for quite a while now. I mean, I'm sure our listeners remember going back years 
my suggestion was you put somebody in this little booth by themselves and all they have in front of them is a big red button and a communication device to get in touch with the other officials. And if they see something wrong, you push the big red button. You know, I mean, that's it. You know, we're just going to stop playing. Look at this. I have a different angle than you. I have all these camera angles that you mentioned that TV provides us now. Things are happening down on the field and maybe you didn't get a good angle because this huge man got between you and the ball and you couldn't see it pr properly. I'm up here. I'm going to let's make the, the, the right call, whether that's pass interference or holding or offsides or any infraction, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure it won't get to that point, but I like the way that this is set up, or at least that the way the Ravens proposed it is you have somebody in the booth that's just an extra set of eyes to help with the communication and get things right. I'm cool with it. As yeah. long as that person in the booth just isn't too trigger happy, doesn't think that they're the most important person in the world. Yes. And pace of play is a big key. And I don't know how this is going to make it faster unless he's telling them, Hey, pick up that flag. Let's go. You know, like one of those things. It can't uh, make it faster. Right. Yeah. So pace of play is very much one of the keys here. This is not replay, but he can utilize whatever he or she can utilize whatever they see happening on the field in real time with, you know, and we see it on TV all the time. There's an obvious bad call, and it's like, look, clean this up, because we all saw it on TV. It was caught on the broadcast camera, not caught by the naked eye of the officials on the field, because they can't see everything, like, you know, and with the technology we have, and with uh, and that that Sky Judge will have even more views and more technology than the fans do, and it's so blatantly obvious to fans a lot. So I, I like it. We'll see how it is implemented, and apparently, and we might already have this, Matt, because last preseason they were going to run a test run with this during preseason games and obviously the preseason got canceled so it never happened so i'm sure we'll see it at least in the preseason uh, and yeah. who knows if it stretches into the regular season yeah very cool that's a good it's a great point that we would have at least had a test run or a month's worth of data to do because i was sitting here thinking you know that i'm sure there'll be speed bumps as there are with anything and and you'll have to be fast paced with your conversation amongst the refs but how much different is it really than an offensive coordinator in the booth gets the the thing down to the play caller who gets it to the quarterback, who gets it to the huddle, mm -hmm. and then you get the ball snapped. I mean, right. uh, it's not all that much different. That's true. Yeah, you've got to get all, all that done on the play clock, and so I would assume officials can do the same. I hope they're not trying to find more penalties because, if anything, we need fewer flags. Right. You know, the ticky stack tack stuff, like take that off. Maybe an angle uh, the ref thought it looked like there was – a hold and yeah you know what there wasn't because you can find as they say you can find holding on every play uh, defensive holding pass interference those types of things that are really big penalties I hope they're not looking for more penalties I hope it's a way to clear up the ticky tack stuff maybe even 100% agree and this is a much bigger conversation but I do kind of yearn for the days when holding was illegal again <laughs> yeah. It got a little crazy. Uh, it, yeah, it's so hard. It's it's like you can hold as long as your hands are in the right place. And if your hands get outside, now you can't hold. So it's not even that holding is illegal. It's where your hands are that's illegal. Yeah, I mean, holding penalties were down so dramatically this past year. And I bet a lot of people don't care. You know what I mean? Like my son and his fantasy football leagues probably love it, you know, but, which which is great. But uh, there were some drag downs and often that, you know, yeah. everyone in the league start to get, got wind of it and be like, well, I can push the boundaries and just tackle this, this edge guy and see what happens. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, it's hard. It's such a hard sport to officiate. So hopefully they can find a happy medium there. Maybe the sky judge will help that. Let's uh, move on. Like to, let's move on to some draft rankings. Let's go tight ends, huh? Okay. I like it. Matt Williamson's tight end rankings for the 2021 NFL draft next.
Super Bowl Sunday has come and gone. The 2020 season is over, but there's plenty to bet on at betonline.ag when it comes to sports and football and NFL football. We've got NFL draft props, but maybe the funnest thing, I think it's Super Bowl Sunday and March Madness are the best times to bet on sports throughout the year. So this month is going to be fun and we didn't get the tournament last year. It is tourney time, March Madness. Get in on the action at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Big Ben, back in black and yellow. Is that a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Be interested to know your thoughts there on that one, Matt. That's what's being discussed on Locked On Today. It's covering the entire sports world in 20 minutes every day, hosted by Peter Bukowski. Find that wherever you found this podcast. What do you think? Big Ben, like, is, is he helping Steelers win games at this point, Matt? Like, is he the guy that's like, okay, this is the best quarterback we can get? Or is is there a potential for halfway through the season, they draft the guy and you realize, you know what, it's time to turn the page here in Pittsburgh. Boy, maybe we'll talk about this later because <laughs> we'll never get to tight ends and draft Diddy because I've been talking about it for 10 hours a week for a month. And frankly, I'm really torn. <laughs> it's to be, I mean, he crumbled down the stretch. I think with a new offensive coordinator, this might have been the time to go totally start fresh. But they were so cash-strapped. I think what's going to happen is this will be the Steelers' version of a transition year where they'll try to win one with defense. They're going to build that nest that I always talk about for the quarterback to insert next year. And they have all this cap space. They're going to have some good draft capital. So Ben kind of is, is, for better term, a placeholder for a year and you try to win with defense and try to get him a Terrell Davis-like running game end of career, and you probably win eight games or maybe nine, and you sneak in as one of the seven playoff teams and see what see what happens. But next year at this time, it will be when the Steelers really turn the page and could be a fun offseason a year from now. You think they're trying to find that quarterback next year and try to go all in with Ben, or do you think they try to find that guy maybe this year? I think this year they build the nest for the guy next year. Okay. like. Give me a couple of linemen. Give me, you know, a running back of of, of of sorts that you can count on, some kind of running game. And then you insert the quarterback into a good situation with a lot of cap space around them a year from now. I like it. And it's, I mean, it's not easy to push out a Hall of Famer. So it's not, you know, no, if, right. it, if this was a middle of their own quarterback and they're like, yeah, you know, broken down, old, I'm sure they would have turned the page already, right? Right. And it wouldn't shock me if he gets a hangnail in week 10 and is out for the year and they see what Rudolph can do for the last month and a half. You know what I mean? If the season's not going well, right. But they were, right. they did win 11 straight games last year, so it could go very good right. for the Steelers as well. They still have that powerhouse defense. And as long as Big Ben is, you know, somewhat, um, I mean, he's just got to play okay if they get a running game going. So maybe that should be the way they go is to try to uh, fix the ground game. That would help everybody involved and maybe play a little bit uh, deeper into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I'm ridiculously biased, obviously. I just don't think that this team can be 5-11 and next year. You know, like, right. they're going to compete. I mean, well, Tomlin's never had a losing. It, it can't yeah. be a worse quarterback situation than the year before when they were 8-8. Eight eight. They were 8-8 eight eight with Duck yeah. and, and Rudolph. They had no clue. You know, I mean, so they're going to be 
competitive. The top of your tight end list for the NFL draft is no no different than anybody else's tight end list, and it's extremely easy. Kyle Pitts, I had him going in the top five of my mock draft. Six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. I've heard he's going to be up over two hundred fifty pounds when he works out at Florida's pro day. Uh, he's he's just that uncoverable weapon. Call him a pass catcher. Call him a tight end. He's not a road grader as a blocker, but he'll give some effort there, too. So it's not like he's only someone you could split out. You can put him in line, but you can do everything that you see someone like, um, I don't know, any of the really the best tight ends in the NFL. Yeah. I've seen comparisons to Darren Waller. Uh, he can do everything that Travis Kelsey does as well. So uh, I love Kyle Pitts, and I would not be I would be 100 percent behind him being the first pass catcher off the board in April. Yeah, I think he might be the second best player in the whole draft behind Trevor Lawrence. Some other people are in contention. He's a total freak, and he's perfect for today's NFL. Like, I mean, I, I think he's a lot like Kelsey in terms of usage and how do you account for him. There aren't going to be many linebackers that are going to be able to hang with them. Um, you know, you, you're going to put you know, the McCordys and top corners on them like teams have done with Kelsey in the past. That's fine, but he's going to pluck it over their head. You know, I mean, he is a superstar. It gets very interesting at the two, three, four, five range for tight ends. I think Pat Fryermuth from Penn State is the most common player we see as the number two tight end. But I think there might be some people knocking on his door for the second guy. When is the second tight end drafted is my question. I think he's got a chance to go uh, 30 to 45 overall in that neighborhood is probably his okay. sweet spot. You know, I mean. I like Fryermuth. He's kind of the focal point of a Penn State pack, passing attack. Good blocker, more traditional. Most years, he'd be the the first tight end taken type of guy. I mean, I like him quite a bit, but he's not special. Right. He uh, reminds me a little bit of Kyle Rudolph and just, you know, he's solid. He will block you. He's got the prototype size. He's got that, you know, the size that you can block actually a defensive end. So traditional tight end but he's not going to wow you as a pass catcher not going to take the top off the defense not gonna make a ton of plays but just rock solid you need a starting tight end that's your guy yeah i mean a good quality two-way player hard to get off the field here's one of my favorites that i've seen recently brevin jordan out of miami and he doesn't fit the prototype size and length profile for a tight end but he's a weapon and i think with more positionless football we'll see, we're seeing around the league, I think uh, if he lands in the right spot, look out for Brevin Jordan. He's that guy that's going to win you some fantasy leagues potentially uh, in, in the future. And uh, I, don't, I don't know where you play him, exactly what ideal role is for him, but definitely a move situation where you're moving him around at 6'3", 235 pounds. Yeah, exactly. And I 100% agree with everything you said. Most years he would be the guy in fantasy leagues that you want to target because he is a pass catcher, a move player, great after the catch. They've actually lined him up at, at running back at times and, you know, just get the ball in his hands. Has some Aaron Hernandez to him in that regard. You know, I mean, just, just yeah. hand him the ball, flip it to him, whatever. Interesting. I mean, if he goes to the wrong team, we may never hear from him again, or at least till his second contract. <laughs> if he goes to the right team, he could be an impact mismatch type of guy early on, I think. You know, now that I think about it, how about... Delaney Walker as a good comp for Ooh, good one. Yeah. Sort of an under, undersized tight end. Uh Walker, yeah. yeah, he was a a wide receiver and then I think they wanted to make him a fullback originally and he sort of t settled in as sort of that move tight end role. It was a perfect role for him, but I think Brevin Jordan could do that. You could put him uh in some fullback roles in the backfield, move him around and overhang and and split him out and so a uh, fun player. 
Yeah, fun player. A lot of upside there as a weapon. Tell me about your number four tight end in the 2021 draft, Hunter Long out of Boston College. He's in the Friermuth uh, mold, the traditional tight end, bigger bodied, thick, um, very productive at Boston College, though. I mean, he can run. He's not uh, super agile, super explosive, but he's the type of guy I think that is probably a high end number two tight end in the league, you know, maybe a, a Vance McDonald type type of guy uh, that lasts a long time, you know, probably helps out on special teams here and there as well. After the number four, I had a really hard time coming up with my fifth guy. I've seen a lot of this name, and I think he might be a fullback at the next level just because of how he's shaped at 6'1 243 pounds. Kylan Granson from SMU. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of use check, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Just do everything with them, split them out wide, we'll block. Super productive, small. I mean, he's under 6'2", so he does not look like a tight end, but I bet Shanahan would like him. I bet the Packers would like him. You know, I mean, there is a role for these type of players in the league now. He's a movable chess piece type of guy. Good effort as well. 6'1", I think that's exactly what Kyle Juszczyk was listed as coming out of was college. It? So that's I a really good that. comp there. Uh, how about this? You got a little sleeper here. Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. Yeah, I actually considered putting him as my fifth player here because it's really thin after the top four, as I mentioned. He's actually the backup tight end at Notre Dame. I forget the kid's name, but there's a youngster who's going to be at the top of the list when he comes out. Tremble is a nasty blocker. Like, go look at his YouTube highlights. They'll put him in motion, and he'll crack back on 280-pound defensive ends and loves it. I mean, he is nasty. He's not real big. He's got a lot of snap and explosion to him both coming off the line of scrimmage and his routes, and especially as a blocker. So I think there's something to work with there, and I bet he's a demon on special teams. Yeah, I love that. Coaches are going to love that. Special teams value if you're looking for a day three player. Uh, and, yeah, you usually when the sixth tight end is off the board, you're talking about a day three guy. you got to be able to play some special teams, got to be able to block, got to do some of the dirty work. Coaches might fall in love with a player like Tommy Tremble. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have a little bit of time here. I want to go back to Kyle Pitts just because he's okay. so fun. Do you have a team in the draft that you like the most as a fit for Kyle Pitts? Like if you could place him anywhere, where would that be? See, I don't think he can get further than like six, seven, eight. I mean, I know some of these mocks have him falling because the quarterbacks go so high. The team I think I'm really intrigued with, though, is Cincinnati. Like if Cincinnati can add... There's a lot of rumors. Joe Thune's from Cincinnati, from the Cincinnati area. Let's say they add Joe Thune in free agency and maybe a tackle. You know, they, they spend some money and add a little bit of lineman you know, action. And for whatever reason, Penny Sewell's not there at five. I think you take Kyle Pitts and say, hey, Joe, you think you could get along with Kyle? You know, yeah. You know, <laughs> throw into the middle of the field, manipulating defenses, already have Mixon and those other receivers. I think that would be maybe better for Burrow than adding Penny Sewell when that time comes. You know, and when it comes to the Bengals, it, by the way, I'm fully on board with that. I had Kyle Pitts going at five to the Cincinnati Bengals in my mock draft because Penny Sewell was going number three. Mm-hmm. I think back to Andrew Luck and the way Ryan Grigson drafted when he had young Andrew Luck and he was going to the playoffs and, and they, they were drafting Philip Dorsett's instead of getting Andrew Luck some help up front and some blockers and... I mean, Andrew Luck might still be in the league right now if not for Ryan Griggs and doing that. <laughs> right. You know, like uh, draft some offensive linemen, draft some some players that'll actually help, and a pass catcher could help. But when I look at 
Cincinnati Bengals, whether they have to trade down and draft an offensive lineman later, whether they have to tack offensive linemen in free agency, if they don't feel really good about all five guys up front, um, and Kyle Pitts even more so than a wide receiver, if, they, if they're taking you know, Jalen Waddle or something like that at five, then I'm just not on board with what they're doing because we've seen this before. You already got your quarterback killed one time because he had to throw too much as a rookie, and I think Kyle Pitts would absolutely help that much more so than a speedy outside receiver would too. So uh, everything to me points away from wide receiver, even though I've seen that happening in mock drafts for the Cincinnati Bengals. Offensive line, Kyle Pitts, that would be my plan because there's no stud defenders in this draft to go that high. Yeah, and I think you mentioned this. I mean, then what about Jacksonville? If if you were to you get Lawrence, Pitts falls to seven or eight or so, which he shouldn't. You take your that first and your early second and go get Pitts for Lawrence, you know, and you know, re-sign Cam Robinson as your left tackle, yeah. and that offense would look pretty darn complete. I love it. I mean, tight ends are quarterback's best friend. Get the ball out early, uh, and, and he's a weapon on top of it. So you're scoring points. You're helping out your quarterback. Um, I love that fit. Here's another one. Let's just say Atlanta with their new – offensive-minded head coach thinks Matt Ryan's got three good years left and they're not going to take a quarterback in that spot and they just throw Kyle Pitts in the mix with the three good receivers, I'm counting the tight end, that they have now and just score a million points a game. I'm on board. The more I think about it, I look at every team and I say, you know what? They could use a Kyle Pitts. Even the 49ers who have the best tight end in the NFL could use a Kyle Pitts. Put two tight ends on the field if you need to. Every single team in the NFL, which is why I think he's not going to fall all that no. far just because I think teams will see that and look what we saw in the Super Bowl the last two years three of the best tight ends of this generation having a stud tight end really I think is more valuable than we've realized for a long time with this day and age in the NFL right I mean even like Detroit or Philly that has a really good young tight end that I love Pitts is different absolutely uh, let's move on to some draft ditties for the NFC Matt Williamson has one draft note on every team in the league, NFC East. Next. Did you know chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? Not rockauto.com. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. And I heard a fantastic pro tip from my guy Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings With winter coming, get those wiper blades fixed. It's easy as can be. You go find your make, your model, order up some wiper blades, the rubber blades, they just go fit, they slide right in, takes two seconds to change your own blades. Be safe this winter in bad weather. You don't want your messed up wiper blades scratching up your window, messing up your car, cost you money in the long run. Go to rockauto.com, keep you and your family safe out there on the road. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com not a great division recently matt in the nfc east but i think it's a fascinating division with so many decisions to be made this offseason quarterbacks uh, i could see Almost every team changing quarterbacks. The, the Giants probably less likely, but uh, somebody needs to go out and say, you know what, this is a bad division. Let's go be the best team by a wide margin in this division and go win the go win the dang thing. Because uh, what we saw last year wasn't just wasn't even all that fun to watch 
the Washington football team limp in to the playoffs. No, no, you're 100% right. And it's a bad group. Um, I'm a little bit excited about Washington, but they don't have a quarterback. You know, like I'm excited to see Saquon Barkley back, see what he can do with the Giants. I think Dallas is probably the best team, but what's going on with their quarterback, which leads me to my first draft, did he? The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I love I love seeing the names when you go back in draft history, too. Quincy <laughs> yeah. Carter. I've not thought about Quincy Carter for a very long time. Uh, this Dallas draft, did he? Since selecting Quincy Carter in the second round of 2001, Dallas has drafted just five quarterbacks. The average draft position of those five quarterbacks, 148th overall. It really helps when you get an undrafted guy like Tony Romo to lead your team for a while. Right. I mean, Romo and Dak have made that... Uh, 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 not even, this isn't even a bad stat. In a way, it's a compliment. I mean, they were searching for a while, and Quincy Carter didn't work out. There was a stretch there post-Aikman that wasn't super great, but uh, that was a long time ago. We're talking about t- since 2001. I mean, this is 20 years. They've <laughs> only drafted five with the average of like a f- late fifth rounder. To not be able to take shots on all these quarterbacks is really uh, a, a great thing for them. To be able to use early picks elsewhere has really built them on offensive line and skill positions and whatnot. So I think that's really interesting. I think Dak will be back this year, but what if Carolina blows their doors off? Dallas might have to actually draft a quarterback for once. That would be wild. And I was thinking about since 2001, like how many first-round quarterbacks did a team like the Cleveland Browns by themselves draft? Right, right, exactly. Probably more than five. Right, so to be able to get a fourth-rounder and an undrafted guy to – be franchise, good franchise quarterbacks for that long. Uh, that's a that's a huge bonus for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I, yeah, that's is a pretty golden egg. Stat. I do these draft ditties every year, and I've I've run this one back every year for the Giants. I just use the exact same one because Carl Banks, really good player. He used to play with LT and Harry Carson, great defenses, yeah. Parcells. He was the most recent linebacker the Giants selected in the first round. That was in 1984. I was 11. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing, right? There has to be some luck involved with where they're drafting and what linebackers are available, but you can't. That yeah. can't happen unless there's an organizational philosophy surrounding it, right? I would think, but it's not like they've been good at linebacker for a long time. I'm talking like second level guys. Like they have really not put a precedence in paying linebackers or. It's the least important position on their team, and that has to come from ownership. But, I mean, it's not like they've had one coach since 1984 either. <laughs> yeah, there's been different coaches, different GMs, <laughs> right. different regimes, but there's been that need. Yeah, even a few years ago, that was one of the things. And I can't remember if we had talked about it. It was like, man, they really need a linebacker, but they're not going to do it in the first round because that's not what they do. It's pretty amazing. Right. They didn't. Right. I mean, if Micah Parsons falls to him this year, might they do it? You know, that they're a Patriot type organization now and less parcels oriented maybe, but since 1984, this next one's kind of similar too. Yeah. Philadelphia Eagles. The last time the Eagles used a first round pick on a corner was Lito Shepard in 2002. Wow. People use high picks on corners. Yes. Like you can understand being a dry spell for second level linebackers, maybe not since 1984, but you can see, well, they haven't used a first-round pick in you know a, a while or a first two-day pick in six straight years or whatever. Since 2002, they haven't drafted a corner in round one. I mean, you usually get five or six corners in every draft in the first frame. 
And I could see it with linebackers because fewer linebackers go, the positional value isn't as high. For corner, mm-hmm. that's even more rare. So I think that's even more surprising than the, the Carl Banks 1984 stat, even though it goes back a lot further. I'm trying to think of the highest corner they've drafted since then. Ronald Darby in round two, maybe? I mean, they traded for Slay. Um, I'm sure there's some second rounders involved there. Um trying to think who that even be i mean i would have if there, if there was that a longer stretch of no second rounders i would have included that but uh, not a lot of success either that has been a position of need for them actually yeah now yeah. that you mention it ronald darby ronald darby wasn't even drafted by them who no, so he's not an eagle yeah he was drafted by the bills then then became an eagle right um, uh, buffalo yeah buffalo in the second him. round 2015 buffalo then he was traded to Philly in 2017. Okay. I got you. I knew I he was a second rounder. So yeah, even the players they've gotten that were high draft picks, they didn't draft in the first place. No, I mean, you traded for Slay. I mean, that makes a little bit of helps recently, but in general, I mean, corners are coveted and I just pulled it up. I mean, I'm not seeing any corners. Avante Maddox, he was a fourth round pick. Uh, Sidney Jones was one I was thinking of. It was on the tip of my tongue. Mm, there you go. He went in the second round, but he came out injured. You know, I mean, he was not, boy, they're not even, Eric Rowe was a second rounder. Uh, Man, it's not, there's very little capital in terms of the cornerback position. Jaquan Jarrett back in 2011. I mean, these are guys I'm talking about as second, third rounders. It's not so great. I mean, man, I'm really going back here and not finding much of anything. Maybe I should, my Diddy should have been, They've only used three or four first day picks in the last fifteen years on corners. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, they they it is. they went out and got Namdi Asamoah. Yeah, good point. That, I mean, that was a while ago, but right. yeah, and that, that's they had to spend the money on it, and that didn't really work out great for them. No, because you're not drafting so. those players. Draft corners. I think that's the takeaway here, right? In in the first couple of rounds, draft some draft a whole bunch of corners. One one Eagles trend. It's I mean you could look at the opposite way. More than most teams, at least in the last five to ten years, this regime, they love the big men. You know they have certainly invested in linemen on both sides of the ball a lot. That's what powered their Super Bowl run. I mean that's that's definitely an organizational philosophy thing. They they want the people up front, try to make the guys on the back ends lives easier. Right, exactly. I mean, on both sides of the ball, even investing in Brooks, the guard, and you know Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham, and Vinnie Curry, and all, I mean, all these guys. So they do invest in big people, but not little people. Let's finish this up with the Washington football team, which, by the way, is going to be continually called to the Washington football team for one more season. They're going to unveil some things, I think, for 2022. So uh, the, hmm. the Washington football team remains in 2021 and you have uh, a similar theme going on here, dating back to their last 19 drafts. Yeah, I'm mean, starting to really feel like all four of these are kind of similar, that the uh, the NFC East is a little old school in their thought process. Maybe as a division, they might need to catch up with the times and change their way of thinking, and maybe they'll lose, you know, win a couple more games. Um, in the last 19 drafts, that's a lot of drafts, Washington's only used a first-round pick on a wide receiver once. I think that was Michael Westbrook off the top of my head. Wow, you got to go back to Michael Westbrook. <laughs> I think that's, that's who it was, yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's not like they've been loaded with wide no, receivers. they haven't. Uh, Pierre Garçon was, what, a sixth-rounder? Late, yeah. Um, Terry McLaurin I mean, is a fourth-rounder. Yeah, that's working out, but this year might be the year that they snap that. 
trying to think of their best wide receivers in that time since Michael Westbrook. Who? Probably Garcon's their best, right? Let me think. Who? There's got to be it's somebody. Not else a there. good group, that's for sure. Wow. And you can see why. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not not investing in them. I mean, and this year it wouldn't blow me away if they drafted one in the first round. But man, I mean, they have not. I'm pulling up draft history again just to see if they've invested. They call Antonio Gibson a wide receiver, but he isn't. You know, McLaurin was a third. Um, who else are some of these? Uh, no one else high in these these next couple of drafts. I mean, oh, Josh Doxson was the one. I'm Doxson. sorry. Josh Doxson okay. was 2016. Westbrook must have been the one that was 19 years where ago. the trend started yes. after him. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Josh Doxson. That so, was Josh very... Doxson was a total bust. Oh, yeah. I loved Josh Doxson coming out too. Acrobatic I catches. Did I did too. Josh Doxson Boy. is one of the players that, that, people point to uh, who are all about breakout age for wide receivers because he was an overage prospect and he didn't uh, really burst onto the college scene and produce until he was, you know, 22 years old already and was really good as a fifth year senior. But for wide receivers, especially, I think breakout age is one of the big keys that people are looking at these days. It is big. It's certainly in the wide receiver world. Leonard Hankerson in the third round of 2011. There you go. Who's now a coach. He just got hired as a wide receivers coach for the 49ers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Probably a better coach than player. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not many early picks at all. It's kind of like looking at the Eagles drafts with corners. It's They do not use high picks at all on wide receivers. I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of second rounders, you know, like Green Bay's in one of those type of situations. They do not use high picks at all. I mean, Cliff Russell was a third round pick in 2002. Like, I mean, that's a, it's a bad group. I don't know who that is. I didn't know either. I was wondering, <laughs> who the heck is that? What do you talk? I do not remember a Cliff Russell. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right, good stuff. Those were the draft ditties for the NFC East. We'll continue with three more divisions in the NFC next week. More of Matt Williamson's NFL draft positional rankings, all the latest news, free agency, salary cap, trades, cuts, and, of course, the NFL draft coming up daily all off season long right here. Peacock and Williamson.